Uh, it would be great if the top of the hour news could pronounce Nevada. It's Nevada. It is not Nevada. Sam Marjofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian who can pronounce Nevada correctly. Thank you very much. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Greetings, friends. Glad to have you with us here today. Obviously, we are, as a community, uh, gathering ourselves after yesterday's events. If my voice gives out on me today, forgive me. The, uh, what was it, four hours on air was a little longer than normal. But of course, um, it was a pleasure, an absolute honor to be here with you uh, yesterday into the late afternoon. Uh, going through the events uh, that transpired on the UNLV campus. So I'll get to that a little bit today. We know, obviously, a lot more. So let's unpackage some of that. Uh, yes, need to uh, notice today the uh, anniversary, 82 years ago, of the surprise attack, Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1942, uh, 2,403 service members and civilians were killed. Another over 1,100 were injured in the attack. Two U.S. Navy battleships, the USS Arizona and USS U Utah, were permanently sunk. Almost 200 aircraft destroyed. And uh, proportionality, we talk a lot about that. Well, we hear a lot about it now as we're lectured about the war in the Middle East attack on Israel, how can Israel, how does Israel dare kill so many Gazans when only 1,400 Israelis perish? What is the proportionality there, right? And that's an argument we frequently hear. Well, today, attack on Pearl Harbor remind you that with 2,400 dead Americans, just with the two nuclear bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the total number of dead Japanese in excess of 200,000. So that is a little bit of perspective that I think, well, if you study history, you have it. If you study gender studies, if you are a DEI track college student, of course, you, you, none of this is, you don't know any of this. You don't learn actual history. You, you learn about how terribly despotic the, uh, the U.S. is and what all evil it has perpetrated around the world, but you don't learn actual information and facts. So there it is. Um, I also want to note that the uh, memorial services for the two officers who were fatally struck uh, in a crash uh, Thursday uh, well, they'll, uh, the, it looks like one will be Friday, will be tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. at the Central Search Church in Henderson. That's for uh, Nevada State Trooper uh, Alberto Felix. Felix, excuse me. And then uh, Sergeant Michael Abadi's service is scheduled for Monday, December 11th at 10.30. That's at the Central Church in Henderson as well. Both memorial services are open for the community to attend, and uh, they'll also be live-streamed on the Nevada State Police's YouTube channel, so just FYI, that's going down. I think there are—I've received a notice. I think there's, they're shutting down some of the strip for funeral processions, so be aware of that. There will be uh, road closures associated with this, and Jamarcus Williams— 
the drunk-as-a-skunk perp that got into his car after gambling and drinking over at the Palms Casino has been formally charged. So charges came down on Tuesday. I expect uh, these charges potentially to be upped. We'll see how it goes. There's a, a brief court appearance that set a preliminary hearing for January 30th. So this, this, um, this, this guy, you know, it's lock him up and throw away the key. Um, and, and I, you know, I mentioned this earlier, you know, we don't, when this happened, right, one of the parts of the story that not a lot of people are talking about is this guy was staggering drunk and he was, he was trespassed, meaning he was shown the door over at the Palms and security frog marched the guy out in front of the, um, in a, to the parking lot and, uh, you know, from, from the details that I have, my understanding is the valets gave him his keys and let him drive away. Now, we don't, we don't have dram shop laws here. We don't have laws that in Nevada that put liability onto a premises for over-serving somebody. But it is just morally. I mean, how do you do that? How do you put somebody in a car and they're, they're so drunk they are too sloppy to be on your premises? But you think it's appropriate for them to drive away? How is that right? So people talk a lot about those of us here who are personal injury lawyers like I am. Sam and Ash Injury Law, of course, sponsor of this program, The What's Right Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. here on News Talk 840 KXNT. But people talk a lot about us doing terrible things, but holding accountable the folks that do that, I mean, think about it. They, not only do they overserve the guy, and then they, then, they, then they don't want him there. He's a sloppy mess. And so they, 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 send, you know, they send him out and put him in his car. Terrible. Absolutely awful. All right, so I'm going to get to, uh, in the second hour, I want to get into the situation at UNLV and, and, and really bring us all up to speed and, and, and figure out what's going on there. But I, I want to, because so much happened yesterday on top of the events here in our community, I want to make sure I get to it. One thing I was, I was intending to do yesterday on the program is to get ahead of the debate. Because as you know, last night, Georgia, there was a debate. Megyn Kelly did an excellent job of asking questions of the, the last four remaining candidates on the Republican side not named Donald Trump. And I, I want to get to my, my uh, impressions of this. I think we'll take an early break here so I have adequate time to tackle it. Uh, well, because I was on this morning with Alan Stock, and I think Alan and I have a, a bit of a disagreement about this. The debate was feisty, okay? It was feisty. There's no question about that. It was, um, well, right, you know, Ramaswamy, uh, Vivek, he came out swinging. There's no doubt. Uh, and he's getting criticized for it. I, I think for me, something became very clear in this debate. And it's, you could call it a presidential or a debate, you know, GOP primary debate. I, I, it's obvious at this point, at least, if the election was to be held today, in most states, if it was to be held across the country simultaneously, which is important because if it's held, if the primaries were all on the same day, that's what I'm getting at, 
a place like the Iowa caucuses wouldn't have a lot of influence and a lot of power because the only reason that they have influence now, New Hampshire has influence, uh, we here in Nevada are going to be an early voting state as well, is because if you win in one of these smaller states, you, you, you get momentum. And you can build on that momentum, and we know that people generally like to go with the winner, and, 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 and so somebody in third place can have a first place showing, and all of a sudden, everybody's out there doubting the polls, and it can swing the course of an election. Not always, but, but it, can. it can. It can change the course of the race. So, but if it was all held simultaneously today, Donald Trump would be the runaway victor. I mean, the polling is... It can be wrong, plus or minus 5%, 6%, maybe. It's, it's not wrong, plus or minus 40%. So he's the victor. But I think these debates, you cannot dismiss these debates that are being held now as some uninteresting sideshow. Because in my opinion, there is a race, well, there's a race to define what conservatism is now in 2023. And I think really more importantly than just that, define what is, you know, where the heart and soul of the Republican Party is. So I'll explain why I think what happened yesterday helped move the needle there and, and I think gives some purpose to the, to the debate. So you don't just dismiss it saying, well, none of those people are ever, you know, none of those people are going to be the nominee. So, you know, uh, that's it. And by the way, I want you to think right now, if you watch the debate, if you watched it, and I didn't see it live, obviously, with everything going on here, but I, I, I was able to late at night uh, see it, uh, a replay of it. And I, um, so I, I'm curious what you think, what your impressions were of a, you know, quote unquote, victor. And I think that's the, that's, that's the tricky question here, too, because, because I have some thoughts on that as well. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome, friends, to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Sam Marjofsky here, your host. Good to be with you. I will get to all that we know about the UNLV shooting at, um, at the top of the hour here at, um, at 2. I want to give it uh, uh, its own space, and I know some of you... Uh, don't tune in right away. So I just want to make sure that's usually when, when most of us are gathered and can have a conversation about it. I, 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 it's very important uh, we go through everything that is known and even some stuff that I'm, I'm starting to now learn uh, through, through people that are, are on the ground there. So I um, will do that at 2 o'clock. Right now, let's just, if you will permit me, we did have a presidential uh, GOP uh, presidential debate. So, uh, by the way, what are the common things you're hearing about this? Because the, the most perplexing thing to me is I was so uh, focused, obviously, here till five on air that I, 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 I didn't really perceive anything about the debate. I wasn't, I, I was, I just w wasn't paying attention to it at all. 
by the time I went and I saw it, I formed my opinion. And only then did I begin to look at articles about about the debate and people's reactions, right, from the various pundits out there who have, you know, I guess are paid real money to, uh, to, <laughs> to talk about this stuff. I couldn't believe, I thought they were watching, I thought they saw a different debate than I did. That was my honest to goodness shock of it. I opened the new, the New York Post this morning claimed, uh, they did it last night, but they claimed this, I, I read it this morning, that Nikki Haley won this thing. Now, I know that I have my preconceived notions about Nikki Haley, okay? I, 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 I'm not a fan. But I would be the first to admit to you if she did a bang-up great job, I would tell you, oh my gosh, she's really stepped up. Nikki Haley was terrifyingly weak. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, uh, I'll tell you, DeSantis had a, had, a, had a really solid performance. And I think he does, I think DeSantis does better when he is able to debate people one-on-one. -on -one. There was a moment where he debated, for example, Chris Christie on the subject of child mutilation, right? Which is the trans-radical movement. This was, this was a pivotal moment, and, and it's an example of a greater point that I want to make about these debates. Because many people, particularly on our side of the aisle, want to dismiss them as some sort of a sideshow that without Trump, they're not relevant. And I think that is a, uh, that's a dangerous dismissal of these debates because now that we're down to four people like we were last night, and who are they, by the way? So it's Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, Vivek Ramaswamy, and, uh, and, and then Governor DeSantis, Ron DeSantis of Florida. Now hear me out on this. I've told you from the beginning that I think 2024 is a, is a campaign of ideas on the Republican side. That we are in a place right now where with, you know, with, let's say, with more fresh voices that are liberated and speaking openly about what's, what's going on in our country, in the world, think Tucker Carlson, right? That we Republicans are at a crossroads of, of identity, of political identity. Are we the same party that we were under George W. Bush? Are we neoconservatives? Are we just sort of, you know, you know a, a modified version of big government Democrats? Or are we something else? Are we taking a stand against these insane matters of, uh, for example, the, 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 the entire idea that the, station, that the state can sanction or in some places encourage parents to allow their children to be forever mutilated is mind-blowing. If somebody brought this up 30 years ago, they would have been I mean, they would have been rightly tarred and feathered, but, but now we're, we're, we're openly talking about it. And there are Republicans like Chris Christie who are just blowing it off, who are letting it go. They, they are so vapid that they can't take a stand on such an important monumental issue. I saw this debate. Yes, Vivek Ramaswamy came out swinging, and yes, he was rude. But there, were, there are two, and precisely two, conservative intellectuals that were up on that stage. 
And that is Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. And then the other two are intellectual midgets. And I mean that. Okay, Nikki Haley is, and and Chris Christie are intellectual midgets. They have no ideas, none. There is no originality of thought. There's just trite statements, platitudes, vapid, you know, one-liners, things that are supposed to, you know, sound good, but don't. And it all fell apart. I'll tell you where it fell apart for Christie was when he got asked about the, about the trans kid thing. They brought it up fairly early. And, 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 and by the way, I, I, I listened to Megyn Kelly's uh, sort of after show where she was talking about her impressions of it. It was funny because they, they didn't expect him to step in it as badly as he did. So here's, just to give you a tip, I mean, here's what, what, here's what happened. So he gets asked, Megyn Kelly asks Chris Christie, uh, he goes, um, so you do not favor a ban on trans medical treatments for minors, saying it's a parental rights issue. How is it that you think a parent should be able to okay these surgeries, never mind the sterilization of a child? And aren't you way too out of step, step on this issue to be a, the Republican nominee? Okay, that was the question. Here's the answer. Republicans believe in less government, not more. And you know what, Megan? I trust parents. We should empower parents to be teaching the values that they believe in in their homes without the government telling them what those values should be. I believe there is no one who loves my children more than me. There's no one who loves my children more than my wife. There's no one who cares more about their success and health in life than we do. Not some government bureaucrat, not some... You look at these jokers down in Congress, and we're going to put my children's health and my decisions in their hands for them to make those decisions, for Joe Biden to make those decisions? I think it's a very, very dangerous thing to do. Every parent out there who's watching tonight, you start to turn over just a little bit of this authority, the authority they're going to take from you next, you're not going to like. I'll stand up for parents each and every time. What in the, are you kidding me? This guy supposedly is, people tell me all the time, oh, Chris is smart. Chris is a smart guy. Sam, you don't understand. He's a really smart guy. really like him. I, I, I know people that know him. And they're always telling me what a, what a, what a, what a whiz-bang brain he's got. Now, I'm a lawyer. He's a lawyer. So tell me this. Can I just, I, I can't even say this because it'll be reduced to a clip and then taken out of context. No one's allowed to just molest their child because they see, you know, that that's okay. That's what they want to do. And government shouldn't interfere in that. Parents aren't allowed to give their kid a tattoo at uh, 12, for example. Hell, I I know parents who have had, uh, uh, you know, government show up at their door because they tried to name their kid Adolf Hitler. There's real stories of this where the, you know, where Child Protective Services step in and say, no, you really cannot do that. Now, call me crazy. I happen to think that cutting off your son's junk is a little bit more damaging to them than naming them Adolf Hitler, as despicable as that is. The state has a legitimate interest in protecting people, particularly kids. 
This is where it began to fall apart. I'll tell you what happened with Nikki Haley when we return. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. I am Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Rarely wrong, always right, here on the What's Right Show. Okay, so the debate last night, and I am going to get to UNLV and what we know, a full recap. Uh, plus some uh, potentially new information uh, at the top of the hour. So I will get to that. I just want to chew through the debate a little bit here because the pundits have it wrong. The pundits are giving this thing to to Nikki Haley. I mean, how is that even... By the way, I I played right before the the break, I played Christie's response to transing minor kids, right? That was his thing. He was like, it's a parental rights thing. I'm like, really? Okay, you don't want... You don't want the government coming in and telling you you can't cut your son's little thing off at 12? Think that's government overreach? So the government has no interest vested in the well-being of kids? We obviously arrest parents for child abuse, right? I mean, you can't just say, well, I think those parents think it's best that um, there's an incestuous relationship. No, the law says that that's not appropriate, that that's illegal, because it ought to be. It harms the child. And so there are established circumstances where the state comes in and says, no, mom, no, dad, you can't do that to your kid. You can't give your kid a tattoo, even... Hell, I mean, even with parental consent, I think you have to be, what is it, 16 here in Nevada? 16. It's very, I mean, with parental consent, before that, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a no-go thing. Can't do it. Hell, the government came in and shut down Juul, the vaping company, simply because there was a perceived harm to kids. I could go on and on and on. I gave you the name thing, too. There was a family somewhere. I read this years ago, some... The hillbillies, Nazis wanted to name their kid uh, uh, Adolf Hitler Smith or whatever it was. And, uh, and, and of course, they, they, you know, Child Protective Services came in and said, you can't do that. And my point is, I guess if you can't name your kid whatever the hell you want, then, then why would you be giving them, why would you be allowed to give them drugs that will forever change their bodily physiognomy, make it so that they can't ever evolve sexually properly, permanently scar their bodies. This is, this is insane stuff. And what we saw yesterday was Nikki Haley and Christie, Chris Christie, equivocating about this. And it was, a, to me, it was a, such a crossroads moment. And this was my takeaway from the debate that Chris Christie and Nikki Haley aren't conservatives. They, are, they 
completely aren't. They're literally might as well run as Democrats. So, yeah, um, but yeah, you know, Nikki Haley backpedaled on her on her on her uh, on her trans thing she, because you know basically her thing was you know there's no surgery. But I'm I'm telling you, but that that's not it. And then she tried to say that she didn't do it. This was her answer, by the way. This was Haley's answer Tuesday, just on Tuesday. CBS Mornings with Tony DeCopel. And this was on her, her statement on minor transitions. And it's, I would say, not great. Listen. Madam Ambassador, another question is what care should be on the table when a 12-year-old child in this country assigned female at birth says, actually, I feel more comfortable living as a boy. What should the law allow the response to be? Well, I think the law should stay out of it, and I think parents should handle it. Parents should handle it. There it is. Chris Christie answer, standard operating procedure. Parents should handle it. Uh, yeah, that's a punt. And right now, at this stage, Republicans need to have some, pardon the expression, given that we're talking about sexual physiognomy, they need to have some balls. And it doesn't matter if it's Nikki Haley or if it's DeSantis. It has nothing to do with male or female. By the way, sick and tired of uh, Nikki Haley Hyde and calling me, I'm a woman. You're picking on me because I'm a woman. You want to be president of the gosh damn United States of America. What are you going to do? Tell President Xi, you're just picking on me because I've got a vagina. Huh? Like, you think... I'm trying to picture Margaret Thatcher complaining that people are picking on her because she's a woman. Margaret Thatcher literally lowered her voice by an octave and, um, and, 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 and d- decidedly forged a persona to be tough as nails and go around saying, you're picking on me because I'm a woman. I'm so sick of this. So then Nikki Haley, this is why people are saying that she's winning. She's, she tries to attack DeSantis. She's trying to outdo DeSantis on this issue of protecting kids and this trans insanity. So she goes after him about the, uh, the bathrooms and it fails spectacularly. This shows how hypocritical Ron continues to be. When he was running for governor and they asked him about that, he said he didn't think bathroom bills were a good use of his time. You can go look that up. I signed a bathroom bill in Florida, so but that's obviously said- not true. <laughs> <laughs> The idea that you would say that I, I was against it, you that. You didn't. You killed it. I signed it. I we stood didn't. up for little girls. You didn't do it. And there was this going on. I was actually just in South Carolina. Some of the legislators told me at the time there were boys going into the girls. That's the there whole reason not. why they no, did no, it. No, 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 no. And so they say when she does that explanation that that doesn't hold water. And this is the upstate of South Carolina. Ron, I signed the bill. I protected the girls. Do you know girls. South Carolina? She did not do, do you it. Know? it. She just, he, he disassembled her there. You'll hear people who, you know, are telling you about this debate saying, oh, it was Vivek Ramaswamy was just being, you know, a jerk, which he, let's be honest, he, he was, but he was, he was slinging it. And by the way, here's another moment. I'm sure you've, Vivek did a, a brilliant gambit, I think. He, you know, this was, this is an example of, of a, wow, this, the, the, you know, the Ukraine provinces question. It's 
Listen, it's a fair question. I, I say this as somebody who is familiar with Europe, who's bilingual, who has spent a lot of time traveling around the world, but, but I, I know Europe and I, and I hear politicians talking about Eastern Europe and I can tell you, you know, I, you know again, I'm not, I'm not a Mensa candidate over. I can tell you though that they have no clue what they're talking about. So everybody now is a Ukraine expert. And Vivek goes after Haley's, because Haley, Nikki Haley's all about, I, I was in the UN. I was the UN ambassador. I know foreign policy. So he lays it on her and he asks her if she knows, can name three Eastern Ukrainian provinces. That was, that was the question. Here's how it went down and I'll explain why it was a tremendous gamble. Foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to note that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the UN and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's a puppet masters right there. The donors, the donors right there that are playing like the puppet masters. Okay, hold on, hold on. And Christie's coming to her defense. She's got a deer in the headlights look. Now, the gambit, of course, was that if Nikki Haley could name the three provinces, um, you know, I mean, I think it would have been potentially a devastating, uh, disqualifying moment for Vivek. But this is brilliant. This, his brain operates on a different level. And one thing I need to tell you, and we, I don't agree with Vivek on everything, and I've had him here on the program. I've spoken to him. I know him. Look, I don't agree with him on everything, but I can tell you right now that we are really fortunate as conservatives to have somebody with a brain of his caliber in the mix on our side of the aisle. The Democrats do not have anyone who holds a candle in terms of brain power on their side. I challenge you to give me one person. Don't say... Don't, don't say Gavin Newsom. That's a that's not fair. Okay. Um, I mean, the, the, no, literally on the Democrat side, it is the Special Olympics of uh, of, of, of 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 politics. I mean, it is it is terrible. But Chris Christie and 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 Nikki Haley. I mean, and, and by the way, when Chris Christie stood up for Nikki Haley, and he did it on a few different occasions. And Nikki Haley ought to have, friends. She ought to have said, thanks, Chris. Appreciate the help. Don't need it. But when she just sat there and let him stand up for her, Christie's toast after last night's debate. It's done. But I'm telling you, if you think that this was a good night for Nikki Haley to have to have uh, Chris Christie come in and, and save her bacon, so to speak, I think... 
I don't know. I think we were just watching two different debates then in that event. Got to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere, folks. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. My email, sam at samanashlaw.com. You can reach me here during the program. I am loving it. Ellen, Ellen just sent me an email. You are 100% right in your eval on the four on stage. Haley and Christy, yes, both mental midgets. Unworthy of being in the room with DeSantis and Ramaswamy. Exactly right, Ellen. Uh, that's my take on it. Love it or hate it. All right, be back in a moment, folks. The What's Right show will continue after this short break. Hi, Sam Rajovsky here. News Talk 840 KXNT. Update on the UNLV shooting yesterday. I'll do that top of the hour here when we come back from from the break. Uh, But just uh, finishing up here, some thoughts on the debate. Um, Well, okay, so Vivek came out swinging. There's no doubt about that. One of the labels that he threw at Nikki Haley is that she's a fascist. And I've heard so many people now, uh, Twitter and, and, and on Fox and, you know, just conservative commentators saying how this is this is just an absolutely uncalled for slur right that's that's literally what it's what it's being what it's being talked is is uncalled for slur now i want to explain where this is uh, this is coming from because the 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 fascism accusation by vivek came in the context of nikki haley's stated position on social media because she's the one who proposed, if you can believe this, registering all of us, uh, you know, that, that, that want to participate on, online and keeping track of people uh, and of their speech. This is, by the way, blatantly unconstitutional. You have a First Amendment right to speak anonymously. A government regulating and stripping you of your free speech and an um, anonymous expression is, um, is, is prima facie a violation of the First Amendment. So what, what is a fascist, right? Somebody who certainly wants a powerful government to reduce personal freedom. I mean, that's one of the definitions. So this is something I would expect, in fact, it happened recently in Canada where the illegitimate son of Fidel Castro, uh, Justin Trudeau, the wunderkind, uh, speaking of mental midgets, there's another one. He, he, they got this pass. They have, they, you have to now register if you're a blogger and if you're a podcaster, you've got to register with the government. I mean, that's, that's fascism. So I'm just setting this up. I'm telling you that Vivek came out swinging, but he's, he's not off the mark. Listen to this. We're marching towards fascism under Biden. Jack Smith has subpoenaed every last retweet that someone has issued from Donald Trump in the year 2020. The only person more fascist than the Biden regime now is Nikki Haley, who thinks the government should identify every one of those individuals with an ID. That is not freedom. Yeah. That is fascism. And she should come nowhere near the levers of power, let alone the White House. Yeah. And then this is what her response is. You hear the people booing. Those are her people. Don't. People's, I love when the pundits go, oh, the people in the room, the people in the room. Okay, if, if, if there are 
if there are a hundred Americans, I'm thinking of skill, a hundred Americans who are making decisions about, you know, about the next election, 0.01 of them or less are in the room or actually watch the entire debate. Nobody cares about the people that are booing or cheering in, in the room. Nobody's watching the entire debate. Most people are listening to clips, seeing clips, and are seeing people talk about the debate. That's it. People in the room, my rear end. Anyway, here's Nikki Haley's response spinning this. As a mom, do I think that social media would be more civil if we went and had people's names next to that? Yes, I do think that because I think we've got too much cyberbullying. I think we've got child pornography and all of those things. But having said that, I never said government should go and require anyone's name. That's names. false. She said, said, I want your name. She As absolutely said. the United said States, her first day in office, she said, one of the first things I'm going to do I said we were going to get the millions want of your bots. She wants yeah, no, she's spinning it. She's on her back heel. How can you say this woman won the debate? She didn't win anything. She got trounced. And that's because, quite frankly, she's not particularly bright. Ditto Chris Christie. So um, anyway, so there, then, then DeSantis, of course, calls her out, joins in on it, and, um, and he's not wrong either. You can roll the tape. She said, I want your name. And that was going to be one of the first things she did in office. And then she got real yeah. serious blowback, and understandably so, because it'd be a massive expansion of government. Actually, we have anonymous speech. The Federalist Papers were written with anonymous writers. Jay, Madison, yes. and Hamilton, they, they went under pubulus. Yes. It's something that's important, and especially given how conservatives have been attacked and, and, and they've lost jobs and they've been canceled. You know the regime would use that to weaponize that against our own people. Okay. Okay, it was so, a bad so idea, say, and she should own up to it. Come on. Nikki Haley, mental midget. I don't know how else to put this, folks. Because she doesn't... She doesn't even understand the flaws in her art. Oh, but as a mom, I think it would be safer if we just put our names on it. Well, you just, we, okay, well, as a dad, I think all sorts of things, but, you know, but we've got this pesky constitution thing. Remember, folks, it's the left that is always, typically, most of the time, we think, complaining about the pesky constitution getting in the way. Dare I remind you of Barack Obama making statements to that effect. Oh, this would be so much easier if this, if this constitution wasn't here. Boy, we really could get some things done. And he'd say that in interviews and, and reporters would go, oh my gosh, that's the most brilliant thing you've ever said. And here we are watching as Republicans, Nikki Haley, dump on the First Amendment and, and we're all going, oh, this is just, she won the debate. So my takeaway here, right? I mean, I don't, and I've got the receipts here. I can play for you. I don't have time for all that. I, she said it. When I get in office, first thing. And so I, I'm telling you, I, I am, uh, I, my takeaway here is that even though Trump isn't on stage, these are important questions about who we are as Republicans. And what I like about Vivek and what I like about DeSantis, they've got the right take on the trans issue. They're free speech absolutes. By the way, I actually prefer Vivek's position on this to DeSantis's because DeSantis, I understand where he's kind of going after those student groups. No, you have a right to say that Hamas is the best thing since sliced cheese. You have the right to say it. 
The government, the state of Florida, can't come in and disband your group because you say that. Now, I, as a private business, have the right to not hire your ass if you want to say those kind of things, but, but no, all right? The state can't bar that speech. So I would say Vivek is even ahead of it, but these are, these are, these are real things that we ought to be talking about. And, and our foreign policy too, we can't just be like war, 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 bombs, bombs. And trust me, I'm not a fan of Putin. And I wanna see Israel prevail in their fight against Hamas. I also wanna see us secure our border. I wanna see us put our safety first. And we've, we're just, these are big questions. And so I love that it got discussed and dismissing Ramaswamy as belligerent and DeSantis as a guy on the dance swing, I think is a great disservice. All right, UNLV updates when we come back. Don't go anywhere. What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law will continue after this. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends. Welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, live and local, coming to you from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. All right. The What's Right Show yesterday covering the tragic events as they unfolded on the UNLV campus. So since I went off air yesterday at 5, extending uh, coverage here, live coverage, uh, by two hours. Uh, normally, I'm here just 1 to 3, but... Um, stayed on and um, and and uh, certainly by the way thank you all of you uh, I'm, I'm slowly working my way through all my emails uh, to everyone that reached out and emailed me your support I, I thank you I I'm 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 just I'm overwhelmed and humbled by your kind words they mean a lot now yesterday I I, I didn't know anything was was going on until about well, a few minutes after 12, when I got a text from a colleague, a friend who I work with here at, at the firm, and she's a, a part-time uh, a gal in our office, but uh, going um, a full-time student at UNLV. And so she was on campus. In fact, she was in the, in the building where the, um, where the shots were fired on a different floor, apparently, but, um, but I could hear them. Absolutely terrifying. So we... Yesterday, one thing that I'll tell you is we know, we know a few things now about who the, the perpetrator is. Now, we are not going to name him, um, but I'll tell you, we, we know some things about kind of his background and, and, and where he came from. We, we know that he seems to have been turned down for employment at the university, and he is a, a professor of sorts, really wackadoodle, mental patient guy. I mean... I, I went to his website. It's, it's crazy. So he's just a, a whack, wackadoodle guy and apparently targeted, as we've learned now, professors at the university. So th these were not students. And the Associated Press has now repeatedly said he is not appearing to have targeted any students. Now, the two victims that have been identified, Jerry Chang, 64, and Patricia Velez, 39, Absolutely tragic. One uh, other victim um, has yet not been identified. Uh, relatives have not been 
notified they've not been able to reach them, so we, we do not have uh, a name for the third deceased victim. And there's a fourth victim that is recovering uh, in the hospital. So this is, this, so first off, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a different scenario than what we thought yesterday as it was all going down because I got that text and then I, of course, quickly went and, and started looking at what the news was saying about it. Very little information because the first shots were fired at sometime before 1145. Because at 1146, a call came through where they had a, uh, where the authorities, law enforcement was notified of a, of a confirmed active shooter on campus. And so as, rightly so, as everybody is fleeing the scene, our first responders, law enforcement officers, firefighters, paramedics are all rushing in toward the danger. And um, I just, you know, again, this needs to be repeated as often as possible that the enormous heroism by law enforcement personnel, by, by fire, by paramedics, I mean, just... It is, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. And you gotta, you gotta realize that you're going into that situation. They didn't know for at least two hours if there weren't other shooters, right? They didn't know if this person was acting on his own or if there were, in fact, some other uh, folks loose on the campus. And they were still getting, by the way, shelter in place. Students were getting shelter in place messages two, af two hours after first shots were fired. And it took students... You know, our colleague, it took her, I want to say she finally was able to leave campus at 8 p.m. So that's how long it took them to process everything. Remember yesterday on air, I was telling her she was stuck there and they wouldn't let her leave. Her car was in the parking garage and it's normal. It's a crime scene. It has to be processed. They've got to go through everything. So students... Who, were, who had seen this, faculty who had seen this, who'd, who'd, who'd experienced it, was undoubtedly uh, were traumatized, were, were sort of forced to, to remain, some of them, on campus. When I'm positive, the last thing they wanted to do was to be there any longer than they had to be. So that all, that all transpired. Now, now he's this, this, the shooter, and again, we're not naming him, 67 years old. He's a former professor at North Carolina, East Carolina's universities, so those two schools, uh, Department of Marketing and Supply Chain Management. Now, this tells me that, you know, the, the place where he would teach, one of the schools where he would teach, presumably here, if he were to be hired at UNLV, is at the business school. So it's not surprising then if he had a gripe, if he had a particular ax to grind, that he took his grievances there. And what, what reporters are saying, and, and, and David Charnes, got to give a shout out to Channel 8, David Charnes. He's an incredible reporter here in Las Vegas. And he had some early scoops about this, including the, uh, some of the details on the shooter as early as, I want to say, 4 or 4.30 yesterday. So David was, was on top of this. And he's saying that this was, this was targeted and that it was, that, this, that there's some nexus between these folks that, 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 were, that were shot and killed and, um, and, and, and the guy, and it has something to do with that job that he was, that he was turned down for. 
multiple sources are saying and are confirming that he indeed applied for a job at UNLV was denied. Now, look, uh, you know, they're, they're going through everything, right? He, he has a house here in Las Vegas. He's a local guy. He's lived all over. They're going to pour through all of his stuff. His website is, by the way, is, is classic narcissism. Remember yesterday, I, one of the first things I said, these people that do these things are dangerous narcissists. Just want the uh, anti-gun people to ban narcissism too while we're at it. Um, since we're doing trying to go for the impossible, might as well ban narcissism. Um, no, this this is classic narcissism. For example, let me give you an example of this. He's got in his website. He's claiming to have figured out all these things. He's talking about how he is, uh, you know, he's been in Mensa for X number of years, right? He's a he's a genius level guy, and he's solving all these things, and he's. He's interpreting coded messages left by the Zodiac killer, okay? But then also, this is fascinating too, people gloss over this. He's got all of these reviews that students have put up of him, you know, from, and I presume it's from a site like Rate Your Professor, which, you know, I, I, you could, I could talk about that for an hour. That's a, that's a joke. But anyway, you rate my professor. And, and, and so, oh, professor so-and-so is so informative. Professor so-and-so always explains everything. Professor so-and-so. And, and so he's got almost this, yeah, he's like got this like brag board on his website about, you know, all these students who've, who've been complimenting him over the years of, of, for his, um, his teaching style. Now, the students that leave their name on these sites are looking to score brownie points with professors because, believe it or not, some universities look at that rate your professor score, and it's turned the entire world upside down where the professors ought to be holding students accountable. And the ends up being that the, you know, the, the, the yeah, it, it, the, the students are holding the professor accountable and, and holding his job hostage oftentimes based on the reviews that they give on there. So that's, that's neither here nor there. So these, you know, it's just narcissist behavior where he's putting up all this stuff to say how great he is. He's the best. And this is what, by the way, happens when you confront a narcissist and you tell him or her, I don't want to make this one-sided, I'm equal opportunity when it comes to narcissism. Okay, so... When you confront a narcissist, you tell him, you know, you're not as great as you think you are. No, you can't get the job. No, you can't date me. No, you can't, you know, no, you're not who you think you are. Every psychologist worth his or her salt will tell you that the next reaction oftentimes is a violent one. And I think, well, why is this relevant here? Well, it's relevant, folks, because we all know and are surrounded by people that are like this. And I'm convinced we're surrounded by people who are capable of this. I think every time one of these shootings happens, 
people come forward. And I haven't seen very many folks come forward saying that they knew him, although I've, I've seen some online that, that were familiar with the guy. But one of the things that, you know, we, we all think we know somebody that is a little off tilt. And, you know, not all of them turn into mass killers. But some of them do. Very important in life to protect yourself from these people. I, I, and I don't know. We will, we will we'll know in due course if there were threats made. We will know if there was action taken. And I can tell you, I, I mean, I had this happen at a university. I, I'll, I'll tell you a story when we come back. I, nothing happened. I mean, that's the punchline, right? Nothing happened because, you know, 99.9999% of the time, nothing does. But, you know, there are people out there that you rightly ought to be very scared of because they're off tilt and they're sociopathic. And if they've got high levels of narcissism and somebody comes along and challenges their perception of themselves or of reality, violence can ensue. It's very, very dangerous stuff. Okay, Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. I know, but the guns, it's the guns. I think it's far more interesting conversation to talk about the people and things we can actually do and influence. So let's go there. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Welcome, friends. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. How to spot a narcissist, a dangerous narcissist. Um, well, why am I saying this? Why am I bringing this up? Well, I'm telling you. What I'm reading about the shooter yesterday at UNLV, this guy is a classic sociopathic narcissist. He's got his whole website devoted to how smart he is and how all of his students think he's the best thing ever. And so he's, he's pumped himself up into a false sense of who he is. And then along comes, you know, a hiring committee at a school like UNLV University, Right that takes one look at this guy, interviews him, goes, he's a nut job. We don't want him anywhere near here. And presto, right? The guy cracks. Now, I'm t I, uh, look, I understand I'm taking a few shortcuts here because we still don't know everything, but we have now confirmation. We know who the shooter was. We know who his victims were. And we understand that there was some nexus between the victims, the shooter, and his failure to obtain employment that he'd sought at UNLV working as a professor or as a lecturer. So I'm, look, I'm just, I'm putting together some thoughts here on this. Okay, I was going to share a quick story. I had, you know, I, I went to college. Some of you know this, so just forgive me. I went to college, went to UCI, started at the University of California, Irvine, which was as it so happened, on the same street as my high school. Nobody wants that, right? Nobody wants to go to college on the same street as my Whatever, but I did. And, um, but the real frustrating thing about UCI was that it was, it was just filled with communists. It was depressing, and I eventually dropped out of school, started working, started a business, became fairly successful, realized I needed to go back and get my education done, wanted to become a lawyer, 
So I went back to Chapman University in Orange, California. Now, I love Chapman. I was taking some night classes because I was working and I needed to take night classes in order to finish my degree so that I can then apply and get into law school. I went to law school at Chapman as well. So I'm at these night classes and there is this super weird kid in my class. And I'm in class with a buddy of mine who we are still very close friends. He's actually a police officer at Beverly Hills Police Department. He's a great guy. Um, but, but he's already pre-law enforcement. He's got, the, you know, he's got the law enforcement brain going. And the two of us are just watching this kid. And he would talk about, I mean, it was just, he would say insane things. He would talk about you know, how to get away with a perfect murder. He was, he, he was not an okay person. So we went at some point, I think, I, I didn't, but somebody there went and, and spoke to the administration and they called some of us in to corroborate what was being said about this kid. Because he would literally, he would turn around in class and start telling somebody how he was going to kill them. And it, well, I'll tell you, it was very difficult back then. They didn't remove him from class. They were, they were watching the kid uh, and they kept tabs on him. I don't know whatever that meant. But they didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't remove him from, from class. They didn't, you know, they didn't lock him out of the classroom because it's like we couldn't do, like, we can't do anything. He hasn't taken any actions. I'm like, well, he's saying some, some pretty distressing stuff and I think these, you know, could qualify as terrorist, terroristic threats, but what, whatever, you know, I mean, I wasn't a lawyer then. I just wanted to get through school and live to see another day. And so... um uh, well, what did I do? I, well, yeah, I, 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 I was so terrified at one point. I had one class with this kid that I, I had an I had a investigator that was working for my my firm at the time and just lived locally. N- nice gal, she, former police officer, and she just came to class with me for a while. Um, yeah, and so I had a, I had a friend with me, and um, and and I just said, keep an eye on that kid, make sure he doesn't do anything weird. And so I, I was that scared. Now I think here's here's the here's where I'm going with this. the The thing is, is it's important to be aware that there are insane people out in the world who are capable of committing great harm. It is also important to handle those people with kid gloves, and at the same time, get as far away from them as you possibly can. If you are in class, if you're a student and you're in class with somebody who's like this that gives you an unsettled feeling and, and, you, and you see that they have illusions about themselves and that anytime anybody confronts them, they start blowing up, switch to a different class. I know it's difficult. I know that's a big step to take. Get into another class. Get away from them. If it's humanly possible, remove yourself from these ki- kinds of people and I feel terrible for the folks over at UNLV because because it's probably what they did. They took one look at him and said, this is a nut job. We don't want him here. He's not fit to be on this faculty. And the guy, the guy cracked. Now, we don't know. We'll see if there are any, got any, if he was written a manifesto or if he's, it's, it doesn't seem like, it's not a classic mass shooting in the sense it was targeted, right? He went after specific people. And I think there's, and we're told that there's some connection between those people and his, um, and him not getting hired at, at UNLV. So it's, 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 it's a fascinating thing, but just, I, 
I know. I, you know, th- th- there, there are people out there who simply think that they are the best thing in the world. And they are, they are, they have, and, and if you, if you try to, if you try to get at it, if you try to poke them on it, they, um, they, they can lash out in a very, very major way. All right, with everything going on yesterday, we missed a big story. The, the press conference was canceled, but A.A. Uh, a. Ron Ford, the Attorney General of Nevada, indicted six so-called fake electors, uh, including my, uh, my friend Michael McDonald, uh, the, the, <laughs> Nevada Party Chairman. This is... Um, let me tell you what I think about this when we come back. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, the only law firm to trust in Nevada and beyond for your personal injury needs. 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. You're listening to The What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism Monday through Friday. Here on News Talk 840 KXNT, this hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. I, Sam Rajofsky, the host of What's Right Show. You can reach me at Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. Always happy to get your emails. And I do check my emails here uh, periodically as I am on air and um, throughout the breaks and respond uh, as appropriate. So, uh, f- yeah, let me touch on this real fast. Nevada's uh, f- so-called fake electors, okay? These are people that, uh, so who's been indicted here? Let me, let's start with that. Six Nevadans charged by our attorney general here in Nevada, A. Aaron Ford. I, I think he pronounces his name this way. Aaron Ford. The six Nevadans charged is, uh, one of them is none other than our own Nevada Republican Party Chair, uh, man, uh, Chairman Mike McDonald, Clark County Republican Party Chairman Jesse Law. Uh, he's announced to run for the assembly, by the way. Republican National Committeeman Jim DeGraffenried. Nevada GOP Vice Chairman Jim Hindle III, Sean Meehan, and Eileen Rice. None have commented on this yet. What is this now? Two, three years later? Hmm. Little stunty, no? A. Ron Ford, of course, is, uh, I think he's sniffing around for a governor uh, run against Lombardo here in the next term. A. Ron is going to be termed out of the AG's office. And I would, I would point out that uh, Aaron Ford, uh, kind of an unremarkable guy, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, unremarkable lawyer. I know people that uh, that worked with him when he was in private practice, but he is very good at steering business uh, to his former 
law firm where he was at. You know the story. I'm surprised more people don't talk about this, but, you know, there were, there was, well, the state, every state decides who handles all their opioid litigation, right? So Aaron Ford sent this, selected his former firm to, to represent the state. And it was a, a big settlement with, you know, 40% fees on close to a million, a billion dollars, excuse me. So that's a little bit of a windfall there. I bet you if you sniff around on that deal, there was some, perhaps some benefit that went to the attorney general. But, you know, I'm just saying, by all means, let's chase Mike McDonald and, um, and five other guys about this, this stunt. Well, what was this fake? Like, they, they were basically claiming that they were legitimate electors. Um, and that the that the and they were challenging the validity of the of the election. I think it was all bizarre stuff, and I'm you know I'm not here to defend it, but charging it now, what new facts have come to light now, or is it that we've got an election coming up and and um, a Democrat attorney general is looking to make hay here and create problems for the Republican Party? Seems like a little bit of a politically targeted attack. That's just what I'm saying. Look, there was no new facts. This all like was there. So Aaron Ford saw that all these other attorney generals are getting some some action, getting some some Trump people, you know, going after Trump. Probably was trying to figure out how to get Trump in on this, but the best he could do is Mike McDonald. Oh, it's very strange stuff. Now, I do want to also talk today about a very, very important uh, topic that has caught my attention. Now, you know, the other day, um, you had uh, presidents of MIT, Harvard, and UPenn uh, ask these, you know, supposedly high level, high functioning people about their code of conduct is calling for genocide against Harvard's Code of Conduct. Now, listen, this is um, Elise Stefanik, who is a Republican from New York, congresswoman, and also a um, uh, and Harvard alumna, right? She questioned uh, President Claudine Gay of Harvard. Listen to this exchange here. Interesting. A Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, Correct. Our commitment to it's free speech. It's a yes speech. or no question. Is that okay for students to call for the mass murder of African Americans at Harvard? Is that protected free speech? Our commitment to free it's speech. It's a yes extends. or no question. Let me ask you this. You are president of Harvard, so I assume you're familiar with the term intifada, correct? I've heard that term, yes. And you understand that the use of the term intifada in the context of the Israeli-Arab conflict is indeed a call for violent armed resistance against the state of Israel, including violence against civilians and the genocide of Jews. Are you aware of that? That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. And there have been multiple marches at Harvard with students chanting, quote, there is only one solution, intifada revolution, and quote, globalize the intifada. Is that correct? I've heard that thoughtless, reckless, and hateful language on our campus, yes. Okay, so, um, well, let's ask that. Do you think, again, is, is this, is, what do you make of this? So listen. It is at odds with the values of Harvard. Can you but not say here that it is also, against the code of conduct at Harvard? 
we embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, harassment, Does that speech and not cross that barrier? Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? Is that speech, speech according to the code of conduct or not? We embrace a commitment to free expression and give a wide berth to free expression. Okay, that, that's, that's, now you get a gist of what went down. Now, you want my take on this? Because I'm, I don't know if necessarily I'm, I'm on the same page with Representative Stefanik here. See, I think, look, I, 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 I think I'm, I'm a free speech absolutist. So I, I think it's, if students are out there saying that they support genocide of Israel, first off, I want to know who they, I like, I want them to speak up so that I know who these people are. I don't know that it's the place of Harvard to police that conduct. My problem here is the hypocrisy that if a year ago somebody at Harvard were to say there's only two genders and trans people are mentally ill, they would be punished under Harvard's code of conduct. My problem is that Harvard and all of these universities pick and choose what they allow and don't allow. So I'm actually okay with what this response is here if it were absolutely applicable to all forms of quote-unquote objectionable speech, particularly that perhaps more aligned with conservatives. But that's not, you can't do that. And we know this, right? It doesn't matter. Ivy League schools, UC campuses, all public universities, you, you get up there and you say, of uh, you know, you know, trans. You could even get up. Look at look at what's going on with Helen Joyce, uh, who is the Economist editor who wrote the book Trans and has spoken at a number of universities, been been disinvited, been told that just delivering remarks on her on her body of scholarship that she has written about this topic is 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 causing her to be banned in a violation of of university's code of conduct so that's the problem here now all three universities now are in because of this and the fallout from it are are suffering from uh well a little bit of withdrawal syndrome i'll explain what i mean by that i'll, I'll tell you since donors are leaving right there's another big donor here what was it who what school was this penn yeah, UPenn. After Liz uh, Magill spoke, give her testimony, somebody, they, they, somebody withdrew a $100 million donation over the hearing. Now, guess what? The school has, has a right to do what it says and says what it, whatever, but also people have the right to not give the money. The problem is twofold. You either protect all speech or you have a uniform rule for determining what is and isn't allowed. But these, we all know what's going on here. We understand it as conservatives. They are tolerating this type of hatred and vitriol expressed against Israel because all of these DEI-selected nincompoops that run these universities are what? They are openly sympathetic to the Hamas-Palestinian cause. 
They all see Israel as the occupiers. They all see Jews as successful people. Many of these people are, if you really peel away all the layers of pretension, are deeply anti-Semitic. And it comes from their own socialism, their own liberalism, their own extreme distaste for anybody who is not, first of all, not a victim, not in need of support, but also someone who is independent, someone who employs people, somebody who has achieved something in life and who's done it without the guiding and helpful hand of the DEI machine. And that's why billionaire Bill Ackman today went after Harvard and went after the Harvard president. And it says the whole problem here is the DEI initiative. And he is spot on. I will get at this when we come back. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Welcome back, friends. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The Woods Right Show. Quick aside here, today in New York, uh, the Trump uh, fraud trial brought by the attorney general there uh, had a defense uh, expert testify, um, Ellie Bardoff, who is a NYU accounting professor. He went through all of the Trump financial statements and he found no evidence whatsoever of accounting fraud. He said he testified to wit Trump's financial statements didn't violate accounting principles. His statements were not materially misstated. Rogue Judge Engeron, of course, asked him, so in your expert opinion, the AG's claim have no merit. And the professor, the defense expert witness said, quote, the AG interpreted this as fraud. This is not fraud. This is absolutely my opinion, yes. Now, just throwing that out there, letting you know that there's another view here. Yes, I understand you've, 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 you've got somebody who you're paying for as an expert in the case, but he's doing so under oath. And I'm telling you, this case is such a load of crap, you have no idea. Okay, so let's get at free speech. Uh, remember, by the way, Harvard's out there saying that the, the, the head of Harvard testifying Tuesday saying, well, you know, saying death to Jews and death to Israel is really not in our values at Harvard, but, you know, it's, the, you know, free speech. Which is really funny because FIRE that ranks college free speech in 20, let's see, 20. 20 gave Harvard a 46 out of 55 schools. In 2021, it ranked 30 out of 154. Last year, 170 out of 203. And then this year, they got a zero out of 100. Literally a zero. It's unbelievable. See, the thing is, they go after free speech all the time. They go after students for speaking out when their speech is not aligned with the school's social justice agenda. And it's because social justice agendas demand control of speech, right? That's the whole point of it. You can't think differently. Than if you think differently, it's actually an aggression. 
If you think differently, you're attacking minorities. And it's okay attacking Jews because they're not a favored group. So offending or threatening Jews isn't so bad. So it's, you know, this, when you call it, you know, some people are calling it institutional anti-Semitism. It doesn't, doesn't matter what you call it. It's, it's, this is what it is. The universities see Jews as not deserving of their protection because they're fine, they're successful. Trust me, this is the think of it. Oh, and they're mostly white. <laughs> That's a real problem. And the Palestinians, they're brown and broke, you know, a money money. So they, you know, they can, um, they can get all the benefits of protection, okay, from, uh, from, 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 this, from these DEI people. Now, uh, I mentioned Bill Ackman, who's a, a billionaire investor, who's really been at the forefront of criticizing these schools, even before, frankly, even before October 7th, but definitely since. Um, is, he, Claudine Gay, the one that was testifying in Congress, you ought to see her. She's a woman of color, very short hair. Uh, you know, but poster child for the DEI initiative, right? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now they're looking for a new post. And, and by the way, the, the, they're they're looking for somebody new, and they know that the they the committee that hires the, the the professors and even the administrators at these universities will not even consider candidates who don't meet the DEI office's criteria. So they're not looking for the best person; they're looking for the best person that conforms to the DEI uh, metrics. So they care what they look like. They care what equipment they have between their legs. They care, right, their chromosomal makeup or if the stuff doesn't match, probably even better. They care about their advocacy. These institutions have been destroyed from within by the radicals. And when you think about <clears throat> brings me back to the debate why it's so important. I realize that the DeSantis candidacy isn't going exactly according to plan. I understand that. And I think there's lots of things he should have done differently, including potentially sitting this round out. But I wouldn't sleep on DeSantis because he is the one Republican who is actually making changes. You know, he's going through... These universities in Florida, and he is basically replacing their boards, and he is modeling the curriculum after Hillsdale College, going back to reading the Founding Fathers, going back to reading the Federalist Papers, going back to understanding and learning the Constitution, national pride, things like that. There's so many Republicans that are just talk, and DeSantis is doing it. In high school, elementary school, middle school, he's giving teachers a $3,000 bonus. Have you heard this? A $3,000 bonus in Florida to attend a short course on U.S. history. And it's taught by folks from Hillsdale. So, you know, I mean, something, something has to be moved here on this, uh, in, in our education system before we fix this country.
because this isn't good. And the, the people that are being, you know, produced by these universities are complete losers because they're all taught to conform to one way of thinking. They're not being taught to think critically. That's why they have a 0.00 score from FIRE at Harvard. Because all you need to do to succeed there is to go in and recite the communist catechisms of the revolution. You've, got to, you've, you, you've just got to say the words of DEI and, and go through those motions, and you get an A. You've seen this, uh, Harvard, by the way. A lot of schools now, most people, 87% of students get A's. It's great inflation. Of course, it's great inflation. Why is it, though? You get an A not based on your work. You get an A based on what? Regurgitating what they want to hear. So these are all smart kids based on their testing. They just can reg easy regurgitate. Even an idiot can do that. And they make the classes easier because, of course, through affirmative action, they've got folks in there who are not qualified and cannot keep up with the real smart kids. And so they dumb it down. And then they go to Capitol Hill and pretend that they are protectors and minders of the free speech ethos. It's just absolutely maddening, folks. Absolutely maddening. It boils my blood. Well, anyway, folks, it's Thursday. We're, we'll be back here uh, tomorrow, Friday. I'm an hour just like that, up, uh, just up in smoke again. Uh, two hours together. I will be back. See you tomorrow. Please be safe and sane out there. And we'll do it all over again uh, at 1 tomorrow afternoon. Sam Rajofsky, you're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law.